0: with 100 delicious, healthy recipes, stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at noom.com. That's n o o m.com. Grab your copy of the Noom Kitchen wherever books are sold. Hello, and welcome to the Parting Shot, your dose of everything pop culture. I'm A. Challen Scott. Have you heard the latest from television? It's in a precarious state, to say the least. The impact of the Writers Guild slash Screen Actors Guild strike is about to be felt on this upcoming season of television, and you're probably going to be feeling it for the next year or so. You see, so many scripted shows you'd expect to be returning in the fall just won't be there. What will take its place? Reality, game shows, talk shows, Everything from dating to competition, reality shows will once again dominate every aspect of television, from network to basic cable. And this week, we're seeing the struggle some shows are having in navigating this tricky landscape in real time. For example, have you been following all of the drama around Drew Barrymore right now? She announced earlier this week that she would be returning for her fourth season of her CBS talk show, The Drew Barrymore Show. Here's why it's complicated. Unlike The View or Live with Kelly and Mark, The Drew Barrymore show previously employed WGA writers. Why? Because those other shows are considered news oriented and thus don't fall under the WGA. But with Drew, even though she has at times pretended to be like newsy, it was always a scripted show with a little personality thrown in for good measure. Because of this, she's being labeled a scab or rather a strike breaker, someone who works during a strike or crosses a picket line. Of course, Drew didn't help matters earlier this year when she made a big show about backing out of hosting the MTV Movie and TV Awards in solidarity with the WGA strikers. So should Drew be canceled for this? I don't know. When I was a kid, I remember going to the grocery store with my mom and seeing workers striking the store. My mom immediately turned the car around and said, in this family, we do not cross a picket line. So part of me is like, yeah. Drew is going back because she's probably getting pressure from the CBS execs who want to make some money. Another part of me is like, well, if you previously stood with the WGA and still support their demands, maybe be like, you know what? This is Drew Barrymore talking here, like in my head, so just play along. I'm Drew Barrymore and I have tons of money and stuff. Maybe I don't need to come back for this little talk show. Maybe I could just, I don't know, be a movie star. So I don't know. I tend to side with the rights of workers. Maybe that's because I drive a Kia. Who knows? Needless to say, America is seeing the anger that can come down on one of our most popular celebrities, which is only going to make Drew's job even harder. At this point, who is going to want to come on her show? She says she's going to be able to abide by the WGA and the Screen Actors Guild's rules about not promoting TV and films that are under striked content. Or is it struck content? Strucked? I don't know. And I bet you Drew doesn't know either because she needs a writer to tell her what is what. This is hurting my head. But like I said before, it isn't all doom and gloom. While writers and actors fight for their fair compensation and Drew Barrymore stresses over, you know, I don't know what to do on her show, like toast a bagel or something, creatives in reality TV are stepping up to the plate to fill that void. And let's be real, we need it right now. Which is why I'm personally excited for these next few weeks on The Parting Shot. You see, I'll be chatting with, next week, the king of reality competition television, Jeff Probst from CBS's Survivor. Like, I'm a huge Survivor fan, as you probably know, because I've had, you know, I had Carson on previously, he was on last season, he was in Top 4. I'm just I'm I can't uh, the chat I had with Jeff it's just so good like really great really really great and it's all about this upcoming season which starts on September 27th it's gonna be very exciting okay but this week's guest is equally as exciting because she's iconic in a whole different way I'm chatting with the newest addition to one of the chairs on NBC's The Voice Reba McIntyre We're having a reality TV party here on The Parting Shot these next few weeks, and I am just so glad you're here for it because I'm having a great time. Whew, Reba, I don't even know what to say about Reba. Reba is a literal legend in country music and just in music in general, and she is the perfect person to take over Blake Shelton's chair on The Voice. While their styles might be different, if anybody can live up to what Blake brought to the show, it's Reba. But as she tells me, even though she feels up to the task, she's still really nervous. We talked about her judging style, whether or not she'll be able to be mean or not, and so much more. We also talked about her new album and book, both titled Not That Fancy. And honestly, after listening to her talk about the book and the album, I realized that I've been living that Not That Fancy lifestyle pretty much my entire life. I probably should clean up more. Um, Anyway, I have to say Reba is an icon and I was so looking forward to chatting with her. Our conversation is brief and because we had some audio technical difficulties, again, it's not that fancy. (laughs) I still felt like you needed to hear this conversation because, I mean, she's Reba. Like, how can I not share Reba with you? I'm dying. Who, for the record... Reba is very much fancy, no matter what she says to the contrary. So go on and grab a snack because I'll be right back with Reba McIntyre. to your happy
1: place for a happy price go to your happy price Priceline.
0: can't tell you how excited i am for this i mean to to just have a chat with you and have you be joining the voice it is so exciting
1: i think it's exciting too i'm really having a wonderful time
0: so how does it feel to be joining the voice
1: well you know a show that's been running as long as it has it's a well old machine. So getting in at this time is marvelous. Everybody knows the game plan. Everybody knows what they're doing from the crew, the producers, everybody on the show is so nice, so sweet and has been so helpful. I'm loving it.
0: That's amazing. I mean, and to be, I mean, Blake Shelton, this is his first season without Blake Shelton. So a lot of people are looking to you to bring like the country music, Blake Shelton. How does that feel?
1: You know, it's a lot of pressure because nobody can replace Blake Sheldon. He's one of a kind. He's a huge talent, huge personality, a wonderful person. So I'm just getting in in there trying to have fun and represent country
0: music as best I can. I love that. I mean, so what's your judging style? Like, are you tough? Like, I mean, because I I don't think anyone sees you as like a mean judge. You know what I mean?
1: (laughs) I can't be a mean judge. I mean, that's why I turned it down. Well, I guess 15 years ago when they came to me wanting me to do the voice. And I said, I can't tell anybody that they're horrible. I can't tell anybody, well, is your mama going to meet you at the bus station because you're going home? I can't do that. So I was like, no, I'll pass. I'll, I'll just tell everybody they're really good. So I, guess I have learned John, Gwen and Niall are so good. And so every day that we're we're working on the voice, I'm learning more from them how to let them down easy if they don't get picked, um, coach them if you can give them any advice whatsoever. Like if none of the coaches turn around, of course, they're going home immediately. And so it's good just to say, you know, if you want to come back again, try it again next season. Maybe a better song that suits you. One that you're really comfortable with and that really shows your talent. Give them advice and encourage them to come back.
0: Let's say you were starting your career out right now, right? And you're auditioning for The Voice. How do you think you would do on The Voice? I
1: don't think anybody would turn around for me, honestly. (laughs) Really? You don't think so? They would. If they would, I'd be thrilled to pieces. But what? What an opportunity these kids are having. And some of them aren't kids. I mean, there's one, uh, you know, 16, 17 years old. And then there's some uh, people that come on The Voice who are in their 30s that want to give it a go and having fun with it. But, you know, it's what an opportunity to be seen by that many people all over the world in just a few minutes where it would have taken me years at my concert levels to get in front of that many people.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what I love about you is that you're one of the few country artists that really sort of cross genres. And I mean, you have fans, like I'm not a huge country music fan, but you and Dolly are like my two, like that, like that's the two. And uh, so I think you joining The Voice is just so exciting. What do you think it is about Sort of what you do with your music and how you present yourself that inspires so many non-country music fans to love you as much as we do.
1: Well, the TV show helped a lot. A lot of people didn't even know I sang when they after they watched the Reba television show. Their parents would bring their children in and say, "This is Reba." And then they're kind of looking at me like, "What are you doing here at the concert?" You know, they they, they don't understand that I sing and act at the same. You know, also so it's it's getting that audience that has really helped me along the way of getting a broader audience whether it's Mm. television broadway movies and then along with my singing it's that's uh, quite a few genres to be a part of so that's really helped me a lot
0: i can't tell you how much i lived by the by your sitcom i mean it was it was my college experience was reba (laughs) it's so perfect so so what. Like you have a new album coming. I mean, right now, is such a perfect moment for you. You have a new album coming out and a new book. It's sort of one big package called Not That Fancy, which I think is perfect. But also when I think of you, I think of fancy. So like what brought about this new album,
1: the idea of not being well, I guess COVID brought about this album, the idea everybody trying to find things to do during COVID when we couldn't do anything ideas were just materializing left and right. And so the book started first. And it's a lifestyle book. It's talking about how to throw a dinner party that's not that fancy. How to uh, entertain not that fancy. And then we've got recipes that we also use in, in my restaurant in Atoka, Oklahoma. It's called Reba's Place. So it's it's covering a lot of bases, little tidbits, where to go when you're in New York, my favorite restaurants to go to, uh, recipes, stories about my life, my friends, really cool pictures. I don't think some of my fan- fans have seen before. And then also the album to go along with it is an album of my past songs that we did. Not that fancy, not with the full band, more acoustic, uh, pared down. So it's, it's a good little theme and we're having a great time with it.
0: I love the idea of you taking a song like I'm a Survivor, which is my like my boyfriend and I literally quote that song to each other randomly every single week. It's just what we do. And I love the idea of you pair, like making that song not fancy, which I don't think is possible, but it is, I guess.
1: <laughs> it really worked out well when I worked with Dave Cobb in Nashville to pare it down I did a, a song or two with him and i said oh man dave got to produce this uh, this album and it was a lot of fun it was it brought out something in each song that you didn't hear before it's so it's not so much instrumentation you really hone in on the words and the emotion of the song which was something that i really like
0: that's something about you that i've also always i was talking with my boyfriend yesterday about this actually that I mean, you, you're so gifted vocally and your music is so great, but I've always thought of you as a storyteller. Like that's just, that's when I hear your songs, I feel like you're just telling me a story and I want to know if you, how do you think of yourself as a musician and do people get say that to you that you're like the greatest storyteller ever?
1: (laughs) Thank you for that. That is a huge compliment because I grew up listening to Dolly Parton When she had her very first album, My Blue Ridge Mountain Boy, I love that album because she wrote songs and told a story in them. Tom T. Hall is another one of my favorites. Um, I like a song that tells a story. And then when I hear people, when they pitch me songs for me to record, sometimes it'll be in a story form and then they won't end it. And I said, "What? tell me what happened. And they'll say, oh, you can just use your imagination. And I said, uh-uh, you're not getting out of it that quick. Go back, finish it and bring it back to me. I want to know yeah. your idea of how, what happened in the story. I mean, of course I've got my own, but I want to let the fans know. I don't want to sing a song that's a story song without an ending.
0: Yeah, no, no, I want, I mean, and I mean, I think probably my favorite song, well, my favorite song of yours is I'm a Survivor, but another favorite is Fancy and that is the most epic story song ever how where do you think fancy is now?
1: I think she's enjoying life I think she's very grateful where she is right now And she is helping other people that were in her situation Go through life and trying to pull them up help them and uh, give them encouragement.
0: Yeah, where do you find? like I mean when you're working on music and you are telling a story do you ever feel like maybe you you get too personal with the stories you share? Like, do you ever feel like, because I know with a lot of artists, they sometimes want to scale back and not be personal, but I feel like you're so open in your music. Do you ever feel like maybe you shouldn't reveal so much?
1: Maybe sometimes, you know, things happen in your life. Uh, if you're happy, you pick happy songs. If you're sad, you pick sad songs. Um, for instance, in 1991 after plane crash, uh, for my broken heart was the album we went in to record, and um, they would ask me, "Said Rebar any of these songs going to be up tempo and happy?" And I said, "Not for this album. I couldn't sing." So you usually sing about the the attitude and where you are in your life. That's what. That's why you sing the songs so well. So when when I'm happy and singing the songs that are fun, they can't be any better. But that's the same thing about a sad song. You gravitate, I guess, misery loves company. So
0: that's the kind of songs you want to sing. And what I think is so poignant, I mean, that album that came out after that tragedy is, I think, your best-selling album of all time. And it just shows that, like, sure, we want you to be colorful and sequins and happy and fun, but, like, we also need that side of you because it helps us in a lot of ways. Don't you think? Like, that kind of music is soothing.
1: Totally agree. Well, everybody... Needs songs. Everybody needs music because music is very healing. It sure was for me during that time and the other rough times in my life. So I try to sing songs that will help other people while they're listening to the music. It's, it's
0: miraculous what music can do. Well, Now that you you've done, like I said, you've done so many different things and like Reba was amazing for me and so many different acting opportunities, music opportunities. But like when you perform live, there's a moment in in your live show that has gone viral every time I see it. And it's the dress changing to the purple, like that moment when it changes, how do you still get so excited to perform in concert live? Is it still the same sort of excitement that it was back in the seventies and eighties for you?
1: It's better? It's a lot better. I absolutely love it. I think I appreciate it more now. Um, I'm coming up on my 50th anniversary in the music business. So to be able to do the music as long as I have at the level I've gotten to, I'm very grateful, very thankful, and I have learned to enjoy it more.
0: That's amazing. Do you think you'll be
1: acting more at all? I hope so. I love to act. I get the biggest kick
0: out of it. I saw you as Annie Oakley. I just moved to New York City, and I saw that show, and it was Literally life-changing. You were a perfect Annie Oakley.
1: Thank you so much. Do you know I was a huge fan of the Annie Oakley TV show? Uh, Long before I ever went to grade school, Allison my older brother and sister, would come home. They'd get off the bus, and I'd go down to the cattle garden, walk them back up to the house, and tell them what happened on the Annie Oakley show that day. So to get to be Annie Oakley years later was a dream come true for me. I thought I was Annie Oakley. When I stepped on that stage, I got to tell you, you know, the first 17 minutes of the show, I wasn't in it. And when I had to climb up that ladder and shoot the pheasant off that lady's hat. I, that was a that was so much fun for me i wasn't nervous i just wanted to be on stage and so i would sneak through the hall and i'd get up to the side of the stage and the manager would come up and said "Reba, you've got to get back past those doors or they're gonna run over you I said, okay okay going." and i'd wait till he left and i'd run back over there to the side of the stage and i'd watch
0: <laughs> that's amazing i mean you're so right in that watching you on stage i mean i only went once but i had friends who went like three, four times. And we all agreed that like it wasn't Reba on stage, which we always want Reba on stage, but it was, you really were Annie Oakley. And it kind of, I mean, I knew the show, you were replacing another actress in the show and it just became this sort of moment. But I was like, give her a special Tony because she needs it. You really embodied it.
1: Thank you. The The award for me was getting to be Annie Oakley. I had a great time. It was only six months. I know a lot of people do a full year, but that's the hardest work I'd ever done in my life. Eight shows a week. It's uh, kind of like Groundhog Day. So you have to play a little game with yourself. What's your favorite song? This show. The songs were so good. The music was so good in that show that I had a different favorite song every night.
0: Wow. Wow. That's amazing. Well, my last question for you, and it's a one from my entire friend group that I I know, you know, this, but you probably don't go to it all the time. Every time I go to a drag show or a gay bar or anywhere, fancy comes on and a drag queen comes out as you and performs fancy or I'm a survivor. I mean, there's lots of songs they perform, but how do you feel about the love that you have amongst I would say gay fans, but also just drag artists in general who love dressing up as you and performing these songs that just emote so much emotion. They're perfect for drag. It
1: is, they are perfect for drag. I don't blame them. Um, they are perfect. They're fun. I'm very flattered that they love the songs. I, I didn't write them, so I can't take credit for them. I guess I can take credit the way I, I did them on stage and and, and the way we dress um, the thing that really ticks me off and makes me mad, and I don't know that I've ever told anybody, I'll tell you, they do their makeup better than I do. So that really ticks me off.
0: They look good. <laughs> I mean, I think that's what makes, I mean, I, you know, I know a lot of other drag performers, but you and Dolly are kind of in this perfect pairing of people who, so many different types of people, you bring people together in a way that like, I think we just need so much more of now, and I love that about you.
1: Thank you very much. I I do agree with you, Dolly, and I. We we just love. We're not here to judge, to uh, to preach. We love what we get to do. And um, the one other thing about the drags, uh, when when people uh, do my songs in drag, I'm always looking say, why in the world would you want to wear those high heels? <laughs> <laughs>
0: I love it. I love it. Well, thank you so much for taking time to chat with me. I really, really do appreciate it. It's been an honor.
1: I've enjoyed visiting with you. Have a great day.
0: See, what did I tell you? You had to hear Reba today. You needed it. Like, come on, tell me, t- let me know. Cause you needed to have a little dose of Reba today. I knew it. Let me know what you thought of today's episode. You can tell me what you thought about Reba and why you needed it. I'm H. Allen Scott on everything. And thanks for listening to The Parting Shot. You know, please leave a little rating and review wherever you're listening to this podcast. It really, really, really does help me out. And also subscribe to my newsletter for the culture. You're getting all the tea every single week, twice a week. I mean, what's better? Nothing. That's what. Nothing's better. Yeah. Until then, watch something fun and have a great day.